0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making theology central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Wednesday, June the 1st, 2022. It is currently 3.33 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Now, I want you to think back. Now, if you are a brand new Christian, if you're a brand new Christian or if you're not a Christian, then you probably have never experienced this. But for anyone who's been a Christian, maybe six months, a year, a couple of years, you possibly have experienced this. If you're a brand new Christian, maybe you're experiencing it right now. but, But I want you to think back. I want you to think back. And I want you to try to remember the first time in your Christian life when Everywhere you turned, everyone was saying, hey, you've got to read this book. This book is amazing. This book changed my life. This book, you know, was so, just was revolutionary in my Christian life. And everywhere you're like, you know, you go to church, everyone's talking about it. You go to a small group, everyone's talking about it. You turn on Christian radio, everyone's talking about it. Now, used to. Now, this is dating myself, but there was a time Christians would go to a Christian bookstore and you would see the book that, you know, had the big display and everyone was talking about it, and and you would you would hear about it that way. Now, maybe you hear about it on a Christian podcast. Maybe you hear it on Christian radio, maybe um, some Christian website. But just try to think back for you. It may be when you walked into a Christian bookstore, but try to remember that first time that there was a book that you were like, everyone's talking about this, everyone's talking about this, all right? You know, uh, who, who, where, when? Like, do you remember when? I think for me, I gotta, I got to make sure I verify the name of the book, but I think for me, the first big, like, Christian book that everyone was talking about, let me see if I can find a place to go look for it here. I'll go look for it right here. I got to make sure I have the name of it because if I have it wrong, uh, that would be bad if I use this as my example, yes, here it is. in fact, I'm making sure yep there's the there's the cover I remember so well, okay, I so what year did this come out? Um, it was originally published in nineteen eighty nine It was four hundred and forty one pages long, and it was Christian fiction, so I don't know if you remember nineteen eighty nine I don't remember the month, but I had not been a Christian that long. But 1989, all of a sudden, everywhere, people were talking about this book, talking about this book, talking about this book. It was on Christian radio. It was the first time I kind of found myself being kind of caught up in that Christian culture, right? I I, I didn't really understand what Christian culture was, but I was finding myself there. There's this whole, like... Subculture of Christianity. And it has, you know, Christian music, Christian publishing, and and you know, and, and if you're a Christian, you have to kind of be within that whole subculture. Well, the book for me that everyone was talking about was let's see, do you remember the name? Do you do you do you remember 1989? Some of you weren't even alive. Okay. <laughs> but it was Piercing the Darkness by Frank Peretti. Piercing the Darkness. Piercing the Darkness, which was published in 1989. Um, no, the present darkness was the first one. I'm sorry. The present darkness was the first one. So hang on. Let me let me go back. We may even get the uh, the date. I gotta get the date for the present darkness. Yeah. There, there it is. I read both of them. The present darkness was 1986. Yeah, so I'm sorry. I was I was a few years off. The this This Present Darkness was the name of it. Um the, This Present Darkness is a Christian novel by well-known suspense, horror and fantasy author Frank E. Peretti, published in 1986 by Crossway Books. This Present Darkness was Peretti's first published novel for adults and shows contemporary views on angels, demons, prayer, and spiritual warfare as demons and angels interact and struggle for control of the citizens of the small town of Ashton. It is is critical of uh, Eastern and New Age spiritual practices portraying meditation as a means of demonic possession. Cells were initially slow, but jumped dramatically after singer Amy Grant promoted the book. The book has sold in excess of 2.7 million copies worldwide as of 2013 and remained on the Christian Booksellers Association top bestseller list for over 150 consecutive weeks after its release. It has been instrumental in promoting belief in territorial spirits. That's interesting. I would not have known any of that. Then the sequel came in 1988, so it was 1986. I don't know if they give me. Do they give me an exact date? They don't give me uh, an exact date or like a like month or or day. But uh, 1986 is when it was released. So I was I was I mean, you talk about a new Christian. I was like. I I I think that was the year I became a Christian. So I was like, right. I mean, I was really coming to understand Christianity right at that time. I would I didn't have any clue that the original sales were slow. And I don't even remember that Amy Grant promoted the book. I just know all of a sudden everywhere I turn, have you read This Present Darkness? Have you read This Present Darkness? Have you read it? Have you read it? Have you, you've got to read it. You've got to read it. You've got to read it. I even remember walking into the Christian bookstore and they were like, man, have you heard of this book? Like everyone was just talking about it. And that was the first time I kind of found myself going, wow, it's kind of crazy when like everywhere you turn in Christianity, everybody's talking about a certain book. I went on to experience in different ways. I remember, uh, my utmost for his highest by Oswald Chambers. And it was an older book, but I found myself, um, is see, probably in the 1990s? And for some weird reason, every time I turned around, someone was like, "Have you, have you used the devotional? My utmost for his highest. Have you used this devotional? Use this devotional. Use this." To... Everyone was talking about it. This is the devotional you have to use. I don't know why in the 1990s, but all of a sudden it became a big deal. And I remember trying to use it, going, "Why does everyone think this is so great?" Now, this present darkness. I was a teenager. I had no theological understanding so my original thought was oh this is cool this is awesome I didn't I don't even know if I connected it to how much of it was I just saw it as a, no, as, a as a novel as a story I don't know how I processed the theology of the book I don't even I didn't really have the knowledge or the tools to to figure it out I, and I think I took a lot of it like, well, it's a novel. I'm not going to take much of my belief from it, but I, I greatly, I definitely read it probably more than once. And and I and I think I read all the ones in the series because again, it was kind of like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest was the first time that everyone, that I felt like everyone telling me I need to love this book. And I was confused. I was like, why, what, why, why? Why do I have to read this? I didn't understand. And then I began to realize that I was going to find myself at times in great (laughs) disagreement with whatever the Christian culture was telling me I needed to buy. Okay. But typically, when I was buying books at that time, I typically bought older books. I was trying to find books from the Puritans or systematic theologies or church history books. I wasn't really. Caught up with the the latest trends, but I always found it interesting when there when some book would be like everyone's like you have to read this, and then of course everyone remembers the Purpose Driven Church, the Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. Oh man, those were everywhere. And then I had not been a pastor very long, um, and someone walked into the church. It was Sunday school hour. And they said, hey, pastor, have you seen this book? And they handed me this little book. And I started looking at it right before Sunday school. And I was like, what is this? what is, and i <laughs> i probably offended the person who handed me the book because i was young i didn't know any better i was just like okay never mind i'm i'm throwing out my sunday school lesson we're talking about this right now impromptu on the spot and i started working through right there live behind the pulpit the prayer of jabez and i was like this is this is a dumpster fire what in the world is this thing right so i remember again once again finding myself at conflict with the book everyone was telling me uh, supposed to buy obviously you probably remember the left behind craze right everybody was going uh, bonkers about that um i can't remember some other ones there's always uh see td jakes had one i don't remember what it was but i i i never was like i'm like he 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 has major issues with the doctrine of the Trinity, so I, I don't, you know, what, what, what's going on here. But I, I've always found it just interesting, and, and I'm and um, let it. I want to make sure I, I make this very clear. I'm not one to say, oh, it's popular. So it must be trash. It must be garbage. There's a, there's a part of my personality to do that, right? I've, I was, I'm always the anti conformist. So if everyone's saying, Hey, we're going north. I'm like, I'm going south. Sorry. I, I, I don't care. Even if I die, I would rather go south and go away from the crowd than go north with the crowd. Even if the, if the crowd is right and heading to safety, I would rather just walk to my demise and destruction, then go with the crowd. So I just have this built in, always go against everything. So there's a tendency when something's like, everyone's like, this is, you've got to read it. My first reaction is always like, no, but then I'll be like, well, I want to know why. Then there's a part of me, my curiosity kicks in and I'm like, I want to know why everyone thinks this is so great. Why does everyone think this is so wonderful? So then I'll go finally buy a copy and check it out. Sometimes I'll be like, man, I was, I was pretty I was stupid for having such a, you know, kind of a negative attitude. And other times I'll be like, what am I missing? What am I missing? Currently, you know that I've been trying to work through the 30 principles of Charles Stanley. I've always been baffled by that. Why is it so successful? Why did it produce books and study guides and a Bible? Why? I, I still don't quite understand why everyone loves those 30 principles because I'm still perplexed by them. And I'm definitely perplexed by how the scripture used in those books, how they're supposed to actually prove the life principle. So I'm baffled by but That's in one of those other things. I kept seeing it and kept seeing it. I'm like, I'll buy everything and then go, what is this? I remember the experiencing God phenomenon. Experiencing God, experiencing God. That was, oh man, I still, I think I have PTSD from that experience. That book, that book physically made me angry. Like, I mean, mad, like really angry. That book really made me mad. Um, and so I don't even want to go through that. So, so, but every time I I ultimately end up with a copy and I have it in my hand and I'm like, I'm going to figure out what is going on. Now I say all of that and I apologize that I, uh, To start it off with the wrong book, but this present darkness is the first time I ever experienced it, and then the second time was piercing the darkness. Uh, Obviously, it's been a very long time since I've read either one of those. Um, Probably, I haven't read any of those since the nineteen eighties. Right, but uh, those books were the first time I experienced that, and then I've just, I just try to keep up. So if I listen to a sermon. And, and, I, and I start like, oh, wait, that pastor mentioned that book. Wait a minute. There was another sermon where a pastor mentioned it. Oh, wait, there was another sermon. And then I'll start looking into it, looking into it because I want to know what's going on. What, what is it about this book? Well, here we go. This I think is is going to be kind of interesting because remember this present darkness which I thought was kind of a Christian culture phenomenon it sold an excess of 2.7 million copies worldwide as of 2013 so between 1986 and 2013 it only sold 2.7 million copies that looking back at it it doesn't it doesn't really appear to be that many so why was it such a big deal when it really Didn't sell that many copies. Well, I don't know. I can't explain that. But today we're going to be looking at a book that has sold 40 million copies. 40 million. Now, when I saw the headline today, that got my attention. One, because it's 40 million. Two, because I've never heard of the book. Okay. That, that That's, that's probably why. So I'm like, wait, this book within the Christian world has sold 40 million copies. And I, I don't know anything about it. Like, wait, wait, where, where what did I miss Did I may have seen it in advertisements and probably didn't even give it a second glance. I probably was like, ah, whatever. And just move. How did I miss? Where was I? Where? And I blame all of you. How come you weren't emailing me? Everyone has emailed me a million times going, have you seen The Chosen? 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 It's the greatest thing in the history of mankind. Have you seen The Chosen? You're probably not even saved if you haven't seen The Chosen. you got to see The Chosen. you got to see The Chosen. And I'll be like, I've read the story. It's right here in my Bible. It doesn't matter. you got to see The Chosen. So I've heard about that. Why haven't I been getting email after email going, have you read this book? You've got to read this book. 40 million copies have been sold. So this would put this on a whole different level of influence compared to this present darkness or piercing the darkness. So what book am I referring to? Well, it is called Jesus Calling. Jesus Calling. And it has now sold 40 million copies. This is how the article begins. Jesus Called... 40 million people answered. Now, that that's a little... From a theological perspective, that makes me extremely nervous. Because I'm like, wait a minute, if... This book better be giving me the right Jesus, and it better be the right calling, because if it's not, 40 million people answered, and they may have answered something fraudulent. They may have answered a false Jesus, which would be absolutely devastating from a church history theological perspective, because like, wait a minute, what is happening? We keep reading articles about how messed up the church is. Well, here's a book called Jesus Calling, and 40 million people answered the call. What did they answer? what was on what was on the other side of the line? I don't know because I haven't read the book, and i don't have you have you heard about it so i'm I'm interested the the author of the book is a woman, and so i her name is Sarah young, and so i I think I've heard that name somewhere, but i'm curious um is this book being talked about in you know women around in in the circles say a women's small group, a women's Bible study group? maybe a, a lady's Sunday school class, are ladies in different churches. Because, I mean, look, my, my, my again, I always offend people with this. And my what I have witnessed most of my Christian life, it's not the men in the church who read, it's the women, all right? The men, now men who feel called to ministry, they read like crazy. But, the, the average lay person who's a guy, they, they tend don't they don't read very much. That's just what I've typically seen. The people who read are typically women. So I wonder, I wonder if those 40, 40 million, I w- I w- it'd be interesting if we had a breakdown. Is it, you know, 40 million, you got to have a bunch of, of all demographics, but I just, are, have you heard about it? Have you heard talking discussions? Are, are women coming up to me? Have you heard this? Have you seen this book? I'm, I must've missed anything, but here's, what they have to say. The popular, okay, obviously it's popular. The popular Jesus Calling devotional has now sold more than 40 million copies according to Publishers Weekly and Influential Trade Magazine. This was first published in 2004. Wow, 2004. Where, where, where have I been? Where have I been? I... I I must have completely just missed this entire phenomenon. So it was published in 2004. Here we are in 2022, and it has sold 40 million copies. Here's what we find out. First published in 2004, the book has become a publishing phenomenon, spawning a television series. I must have missed that. A podcast. I must have missed that. And a magazine. what, 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 where, where was I, I, did I, did I talk about this at some point? Maybe, maybe I'd have to try to go back through all of my archives, maybe at some point in all of my sermons, maybe at some point I mentioned it and talked about it, but it clearly, if I did, it did not register. And it's like, okay, here's that. And I basically shrugged my shoulders and did not see, oh guys, we need to pay attention to this, which always makes me mad because typically I feel that I'm pretty good at going, hey, right there. We need to pay attention to that. I, I don't know what was happening. What, where, what, what was going on? What was happening? Right? I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe there were other books out at the time that I was dealing with. I don't know. All right, but it was first published in 2004, became a publishing phenomenon, spawned a television series, a podcast, and a magazine. Now, this is insane. In 2013, the book outsold Pop culture phenomenons lean in and fifty shades of gray, which was a cultural phenomenon it outsold fifty shades of gray now I heard fifty shades of gray every everyone was talking about that that's crazy the pub the book's publisher Thomas Nelson reported in twenty nineteen that Jesus calling had sold thirty million copies. And has continued to sell, uh, to sell since then. So in 2019, it was already at 30 million. A follow up book, Jesus listens, has sold half a million copies since its October, 2021 release. So of course, if, G- if you have a book that sells that much, you're going to get the follow up. You're going to get the follow up because the publishing world's like, we've got to cash in on this. All right. But it's a devotional. Now, once again, this takes me back to why I mentioned Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest. So many times people will, there'll be a devotional. they will like, this is the greatest devotional I've ever read. And I'm going to be honest with you. Most devotionals irritate me to absolutely to death. They just drive me crazy, right? I use devotionals as, this is the way I use devotionals. Open it up. Watch the scripture. Close the devotional. Go work on the scripture do a chapter summary method, devotional. I use some kind of Bible study method. Then come back, open the devotional, and see what they had to say. Typically, what they have to say has very little to do with what's actually in the text, okay? In fact, in many cases, they're drawing things from the text that any careful uh, study of the context would clearly dismiss and make you realize that it is incorrect. So I've always had some issues. I love devotionals in the sense that, I like the challenge that I open it up, ooh, man, what is that passage? Okay, what am I going to do with that? And then I sit at a table with a pencil and a notebook going, man, okay, what do I do with this? Right? And I just like that challenge, like give me the scripture and then I've got to be forced to sit there and think about what to do with this, how to study it, what points to come up with. Now, I love that part of them, but just to look at the scripture and read what they have to say, usually I just find myself, you know, having, you know, almost a stroke going, what in the world are they doing with the text? But they're popular. They go on to, well, so a follow-up book, Jesus Listens, has sold a half a million. Then they go on to say, I hear over and over again from regular people and celebrities alike, All right? That wasn't helpful. Okay, here again. My, uh, the the page just refreshed. Okay. I hear over and over again from regular people and celebrities alike who say it's like it was written for me. And that's from Thomas Nelson, vice president who oversees the Jesus calling brand. So now it's a brand. It's not just a book, it's become a brand. Oh, you gotta love the Christian publishing world. They're like, we're on to something. We've struck gold. Get every get, get the team together. We now have a brand. Now, how can we market this brand? How can we expand this brand? We probably need Jesus calling t-shirts and Jesus calling pajamas and Jesus calling coffee mugs. Okay, you you know how that always works, but all right, we we could we could talk about this. It says it speaks to various situations. The grief of losing a child, divorce, addiction, or giving thanks to God for the good days. That really appeals. Okay, author Sarah Young, who has largely remained out of the public eye due to health problems, began writing books in the 1990s while a missionary and a counselor in Australia. After a difficult case where Young counseled a woman who claimed to be a victim of satanic child abuse during the so called satanic panic she began jotting down what came to mind during her devotional times when she focused on listening to god those journal entries were eventually compiled into jesus calling i don't have a i don't have a warning siren in my uh, effects that i have saved here i i have what do we have here i don't have a warning siren i do have this Lightning strike is not really a good sound for it because it's, it's. But it's a. It's a. It's a warning right there. As soon as I hear that, that the the reds the sirens go off, the red lights start flashing. Everything tells me stop. Time out. Time out. We have a problem. We have a big problem because this book was put together. Now listen carefully. All right. So she, there was a difficult case where she's counseling a woman who claimed to be a victim of satanic child abuse during the so-called satanic panic. Okay, that's whenever you know everybody thought satanists were kidnapping everyone and it was it was the greatest threat to the church and we we're all going to die and and satanists were going to break into our church and kidnap our kid. Yeah, and yeah, I remember the satanic panic. I remember all that. But so during that, she started jo- jotting down. Listen, what came to her mind during her devotional times when she focused on listening to. God. Now I need to know what you mean by listening to God, because you know my philological stance here. If you're if you're listening to God, like some thought that comes to your mind, that's not God. That's your brain. That's you thinking. And guess what? Whatever, a, whatever thought, whatever feeling, whatever arises from within you is going to be corrupted in some way, shape, or form by your own depravity. If you want to listen to God, you pick up a Bible and you read. That's how you hear from God. You pick up a Bible and you read. And if you want to hear God talk to you out loud, you read out loud. Look, I am I am dogmatic about that. I, I There's no compromise to me because I'm so tired of hearing people say, God told me this. God told me that. God told me this. I, again, you can just spend a, look, you take a weekend just tell, go lock yourself in a hotel room, just grab your a Bible, a notebook, and just bring your phone with a, a Wi-Fi connection, and just start listening to sermons from all across evangelical churches, all across the United States of America, and just write down every time they say, God told me, God spoke to me, God said, and then when you're done, you can come out of the hotel with basically a new Bible, because God seems to be constantly telling people something every single day, and what's crazy is you'll hear sermon one, where God, told them this, but sermon two, God told this person something else. And the two things seem to be absolutely contradictory. But hey, I guess in the evangelical world, who cares? It doesn't really matter as long as what you you think God told you something. It's it's just crazy. So already the book is based off, let me make sure we get this, what came to her mind during her devotional times when she focused on listening to God. Now, I need clarification of what that means. But typically in the evangelical world, that means you listen to some inner voice, some inner feeling. And these journal entries, well, ended up Jesus Calling. The book was rejected at first uh, before finally being released in 2004. Sales started slowly, with just under 60,000 copies sold in the first three years, according to Christianity Today, Today magazine, before taking off in 2008. In 2015, Tim Challies labeled Jesus Calling a deeply troubling book and a blog post pointing out what he saw as serious problems with the book, including that, and I quote, she mimics occult practices and speaks for God. Early on, there were other critics, but any controversy over the book has faded. So there was some initial like, hey people, we've got some problems and everyone basically was like, yeah, whatever. And well, the book has continued to sell and sell and sell and sell. And if it's selling that much, I guarantee you at some coffee house somewhere, there's a group of women sitting around a table with their Bible a notebook and a copy of Jesus Calling. I guarantee you that. Or online groups, I, I bet you it's primarily women. I bet you it's primarily women. I could be wrong, but I bet you. Maybe there's some Sunday school classes that are using it. You can tell me what you've seen. I haven't seen anything. No one in my church has even mentioned it, all right? Um, and I've never received an email asking me about it. Now, it may be just because it's a devotional, so nobody gives it much thought. I don't know. But there you go. So remember, the criticisms was, and now this is their critic- This is uh, Tim Challey's uh, criticism not mine, because I cannot say that this is accurate in any way, that she mimics occult practices, I don't know what they mean by that, and speaks for God. Young said in a 2021 email interview that she still sees herself as a missionary. She also said her health issues make her focus on God more. When I sit down to write, I always ask God to connect his infinite sufficiency with my utter insufficiency. She said in an email, So my health struggles help me to rely on Jesus, and I work collaboratively with him. So it's a collaboration with Jesus. It's a collaboration. Yeah, that makes me nervous. That sounds very—but I mean, I shouldn't be shocked. Everything in the evangelical world has been touched, has been influenced by what I believe is the theological cancer of my lifetime, which is the charismatic movement. And I do believe it's a theological cancer. I'm not trying to say anything mean about the people within the movement. I'm trying to say that the theology is pure, purely a cancer. It is an infection that should have never been allowed to infiltrate and spread throughout the body of Christ. But that we can go all the way back to Azusa Street and everything that happened after. But all right. So. If you go to Amazon, you have Jesus Calling with scripture references, Enjoying Peace in His Presence, Jesus Calling, the Kindle edition. It has 32,376 ratings, and it's now currently rated as five stars. So that's overwhelmingly positive. It's the number one bestseller and Christian New Testament meditations. It is currently $8.99 for the Kindle. And you know, you know, I'm going to have to buy it. You know, I'm going to have to buy it. You know, you know, you know, I'm going to have to. <laughs> and they have a, I don't know what all of these are. For $32, it's a series of books. I don't know what all these are. Um, They look like all Jesus calling. Are they different? Oh, they have a 52-week discussion guide for men, a 32-week discussion guide for, for those who are grieving. Uh, they have Jesus calling morning and evening, copying Spurgeon's morning and evening. So is this the new morning and evening uh, that made Spurgeon, that yeah, a lot of people know Spurgeon from? Uh, here's what they say um, here. Uh, here's the description. Experiencing a deeper relationship with Jesus as you savor the presence of the one who understands you perfectly and loves you forever. With scripture and personal reflections, New York Times bestselling author Sarah Young brings Jesus' message of peace for today and every day. Jesus Calling is your year-long guide to living a more peaceful life. More than 30 million copies sold. They're going to have to update that. Um by spending time in the presence of the Savior with, with the much-loved devotions in Jesus' calling, you will. This is what's going to happen if you do this. Number one, you're going to feel comforted by the words of hope and encouragement. Number two, you're going to be reassured of Jesus' unending love. Number three, you're going to receive gentle guidance based on Scripture. Number four, you're going to strengthen your faith with Scripture verses. Number five, you're going to connect with Jesus further with reflections and meditations based on God's Word. Jesus' calling resonates with men and women. Written as if Jesus now listen, now listen to this. Written as if Jesus Himself is speaking directly to you. Oh boy. That's that's a big claim. I, I I don't know if you know this. If you want to hear that God is speaking directly to you, I I I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It, it, it may be you may have to really search to find a copy, but it's called the Bible, and according to it, it's inspired by God. It's God-breathed. God so in a sense, this would actually be the, well, the, the, the words of God. But hey, if you don't want to read the Bible, you can get a copy of Jesus Calling, and it's going to be written as if Jesus is speaking directly to you. Jesus Calling invites you to experience peace in the presence of the Savior, who is always with you. 393 pages. And I'm going to have to purchase it. I'm not going to do it right now, but I am going to save this because if I don't save it to my notes, I'll forget that I even talked about this because by the time I'm done doing things tonight, I won't remember this. So um, there you have it. Um, I I don't know. I don't know what to say. Um, My... My fear is it's gonna be my fear is it's going to be problematic. My nightmare is that it's going to be absolutely heretical. My concern is that if I start reading it, I'm gonna be like, why is 40 million people think this is the greatest thing in the world? Why why has 40 million people purchased this? Why what what is it about this that your average person, all the way to celebrities, are talking about how amazing this is? I would love if someone has gone through the whole devotional, I would love to see your, your notes on it. Cause I'd love to see what you supposedly were learning through your year long journey through Jesus' calling. I would love to see that because I I would I would I would like to see like what kind of theological conclusions people are arriving or hermeneutical conclusions people are arriving. Because I mean You're you're arriving at some conclusion that the text means something that this devotional is is pointing you to. But we'll have to do – I'll buy a copy, and we'll have to look – we'll have to just do some random studies together. That's what we'll do. I'm not telling you to purchase the book, but I would obviously never tell you not to purchase the book, even if I find the book to be something I completely disagree with. I'm always wanting people to look for themselves. I don't ever like to say, don't read this and only read this. But, but if this is the book that 40 million people have purchased, is it the most influential book in Christian publishing in the last few years? I mean, you, you got to look at what people are reading. You got to look at what churches are using for curriculum and for studies. That's sometimes telling you what's influencing the minds of the evangelical world. I'm... I, I don't even know what to say. I I don't, I'm just perplexed that I somehow missed this. I probably have seen it. I see the cover right now and I know I've seen the cover and like, you know, those Christian advertisement, uh, what CBD, uh, Christian book distributors and others that send out their little catalog. I know I've seen it in it, but you know what? I, I hate to say it, I probably looked at it, devotionals for every day of the year, Sarah Young, Jesus Calling, Enjoying Peace in His Presence. Okay, whatever. It's just another devotional. Don't even know who she is. Don't know anything about her. I don't know, I don't, do we know her theological background? Don't know anything. Um, Do we know, I mean, I don't know anything about her, so... I'm assuming now she's well off. <laughs> okay, so that's good. Considering she has health problems, I am glad that she obviously probably now has the money to completely take care of herself to the best of, of her ability health-wise. So that's a positive for her. Um, the Christian publishing world has obviously have turned it into a brand. Um, there's probably a lot of pressure on her to put out another one. I. Are you waiting for some dramatic conclusion? I don't have a dramatic conclusion. I'm I'm just literally going to stop there and then I'm going to go downstairs and get ready for church tonight. But uh we're going to have to do something with it. I got to finish the 30 principles whether people want me to or not. We have to finish that. And then uh we'll circle back around and we'll I don't know how many we'll do, but we'll do a couple of studies just because I'm just curious. And if I'm curious, well, then you have to listen to what I'm curious about. That's kind of the way it works. When you have the microphone, I, I, I'm, if I want to talk about it, I talk about it. So there you go. Um, so we'll see. All right. Uh, I don't know if the person who was listening is still listening. If you are, in fact, let me check the iPad. I would be curious to know if they have, uh, it sounds like that they have studied this topic in some depth, so I, I'm assuming they are very familiar with the book. Because man, I I don't know, and I, and I don't know where I was. Okay, now, all right, they didn't say anything else, so um, I'm just, I'm curious, I, I I'm curious for anyone who listens to this. When did you first hear about the book? Have you read the book? Do you do you think it's great? Do you think it's Problematic, anything you can let me know. You can email me newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. You can post comments there on YouTube, or if you join our Discord channel, you can just well talk to all of us in the Discord channel and let us know. But I'm just curious like, when did you come across the book? How did you come across the book? How many people have told you, hey, you've got to read this book? I'm just, is it, do you, is there a certain kinds of churches that seem to be drawn to this, or is it just 40 million? It has to, Across all theological boundaries, I would think. I mean, that's a lot. So um but we'll have to see. All right, I apologize for being so late to the to the to the story, but I, I really have not given it any any thought at all. So um, we'll have to look into it and see what's actually there. All right, you can email me again, newsif at yahoo.com newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great afternoon. We'll be back on the air at 7 p.m. I'll be coming to you live from Victory Baptist Church as we, well, do some work on our Bible study exercise this week, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. We'll see what we do this evening, so make sure you tune in. Thanks for listening. God bless.